Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Brusky, and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action, and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. We have our full panel back, which means I'm back. Rebecca's back. I'm back. Yes. As always, Robert Craig. First of all, Rebecca is from the Wisconsin Working Families Party, and Robert, of course, is the Executive Director here at Citizen Action. So uh, I was uh, gone last week in Chicago. Wait. I, I stand corrected. I missed last week. I'm confusing because my wife actually had surgery. So uh, Bonnie's doing well for all those who uh, know Bonnie, and I uh, really appreciate all the kind words people have passed on to me. With that, let's move on to the show. We have a number of interesting topics. We're going to review the Wausau Governor's Forum that we had in uh, Wausau last Saturday with seven of uh, the Democratic gubernatorial candidates. We'll talk a little bit more about the, uh, the governor election and other news in political and election season 2018. We're going to talk a little bit about what's happening in the legislature in both the Senate and Assembly this week in their special sessions. Also going to talk about little Foxconn, little Weedek, and we'll also be joined by Representative Amanda Stuck to talk about the package for Kimberly Clark and just essentially what ought we be doing around economic development here in the state. So let's get started. Robert, I'm going to turn to you because, again, I was unable to attend our Wausau Forum. We had our second forum with gubernatorial candidates connected to Citizen Action's endorsement, and uh, this is occurring amongst a number of other forums. These candidates have been very active around the state, but wanted to hear from you a little bit, check in. We've talked a bit about the governor's race before, but just the forum, how'd it go? And then in particular, was there anything that's starting to stand out or that is of interest uh, as it relates to these candidates? So it was a packed room at the uh, uh, Marathon County Labor Council in Wausau. And so this is the second one we've had at Citizen Action Wisconsin. We also had one in Eau Claire um, in February, which also packed out uh, a major theater. And so all the questions were based on the, the eight-year platform that Citizen Action members adopted last year. So this is all within the context of what big things would you do over eight years? And so we had seven of the nine candidates that could win. I've cut it off at nine and people can call in and, dis I mean, not call in, but can email and text and tweet and disagree on the nine. So of the nine, which I think you can guess, the only two not there were Kathleen Weinhout, who we'll talk about later in the podcast, and uh, Tony Evers. And so I think the candidates were all getting stronger because they've all obviously done a lot of forums. And I thought that um, they're standing out more on the issues, but that's the, the good side, all of them actually. On the downside, they're not, there's no one really separating themselves yet. Um, so you could do all sorts of scouting about who is where, but um, it's just, it's still, they're still trying to, I mean, there's different personalities. Some people are attracted to one personality more than another. Obviously, Kelda Royce is getting more attention after she did the breastfeeding video, which also has raised her a bunch of national money. So she didn't stand, I mean, she was good in the forum, but she, she stood out before the forum. So I think that was a factor uh, in things. So I think that this is the only way we're going to do, we can do to try to draw the race to the left, uh, get them to take bold positions, because that's really, really critical, right? 
and then hopefully that in this process, since no one's run for governor before, someone really rises to the top and becomes a movement progressive alternative to Scott Walker. Because I think you need an exciting candidate that is good on big, bold issues and is charismatic in an anti-political way in order to beat Walker with $50 million in range he'll be able to raise from dirty money and then all the dark money, at least $20 million, that will come in also. Yeah, and I'll point out to folks, we're going to have more of these forums around the state, but one thing we're doing, because it's connected to our endorsement process, is we're really gathering information on where folks are um, that attend. And, and Robert's correct, right? Nobody is really stepping out without getting into the details of those evaluations. Um, the, people are people are all over the map, and uh, that is probably our biggest challenge, sort of thinking longer term, is, is anyone going to separate? But wanted to bring up the idea that this is happening in a, a sense of broader forums going on, and, and certainly uh, we're working with uh, Wisconsin Working Families Party and our Wisconsin Revolution, who are also through the Wisconsin's Choice Project, and we've had a number of forums also. Um, just getting your thoughts, uh, Rebecca, on those similar thoughts or any other thoughts you have about this race related to that. So it's certainly challenging uh, to have candidates distinguish themselves, as Robert said, when you have just such a crowded field. Uh, one of the things that we've tried to do um, to get at that is have different types of forums. So we've had ones that are like the speed dating format where uh, you can personally, like with a group, very small group of five or six other people, talk to a candidate one-on-one -on -one for about, well, not one-on-one, -on -one, but five-on-one -on -one for about <laughs> 10 minutes. Um, another thing, we had this great forum with Citizen Action in Milwaukee about a month or so ago now with the um, Citizen Action Healthcare Cooperative and the Wisconsin Federation of Nurses and Health Professionals that was Healthcare Jeopardy that specifically got at where folks were on healthcare issues. But it, it's a tremendous challenge. So we have another forum coming up. Um, uh, obviously in um, cooperation with our Wisconsin Revolution, particularly the Milwaukee chapter, but also with MASH, uh, which is the Milwaukee Area Service and ah, Hospitality. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, which is a new, a new worker center um, in Milwaukee, and it's on raising wages and building worker power. And so that is on uh, March 29th, which is next Thursday, 6 p.m. It's at 734 North 26th Street. Yep. I, I will have a link on our webpage with all the details about the event, but it, it is the next great opportunity to get out see these candidates, particularly around jobs and the economy, which we know is a, a, a critical issue. I also want to flag that um, I believe it may be May 12th. It hasn't been nailed down for sure, but there will probably also be an education forum with governors, governor candidates that... Um, we're going to be doing in partnership with some of the uh, teachers unions around uh, and Earl Ingram show. So we'll have more details about that as it comes forward. But look, it is critical that we have these opportunities to get to, as Robert said, to work with candidates to move them to the left in terms of really addressing and being clear about what they're talking about, but also from an organizing perspective to get more progressives, people from our organizations and people that aren't necessarily connected to organizations, uh, but share our values out and hearing from these candidates and getting engaged and energized and prepared to do some work to help get these, whoever is our candidate or whoever is your chosen candidate in the primary, to get out and actually do something to help them get elected because that is going to be critical in this election cycle if we're going to have more energy than the other side. It can't just be energy on Facebook. It needs to be energy actually out talking to the voters who maybe aren't as pumped up or engaged as we are. 
Yeah, and so uh, I said this before, but we, we could include it maybe in the notes for the podcast as well. Um, for Wisconsin's Choice, it's a joint project. Um, anyone could sign up. There's also a survey that I think you know, hundreds of citizen action folks, I think, have probably already filled out, but folks are more than welcome to do that, and keep an eye out. We'll have, like, a somewhat exciting announcement in the next week or so about how this project's going to progress between now and the primary uh, in an effort to further get at what Robert described of how do we kind of whittle down the field a little bit. So we'll continue to track the governor's race, um, but do want to point out there was some news in uh, our elections this fall as it relates to the state legislator and I th- legislature. And I think folks know uh, we have a very gerrymandered legislature, uh, but there were two Republican legislators who announced this week that they will not be running. And, and these are both seats that in a good wave election, we ought to be in play. Uh, and one is Terry Moulton from the Eau Claire area, who is in Senate District 23, who announced he will not be running. And he is someone who has been very challenging and difficult to beat. So that is now an open seat. Um, it didn't take long for Kathy Bernier to announce uh, that she would run for that seat. Um, but that now is open. And, of course, with Bernier announcing she'll go for the Senate, that means her assembly seat is open. And that's Assembly District 68 uh, in the Eau Claire area. Uh, this is all very exciting. And then there's one other race, which is uh, East of lacrosse and that is assembly district 96 longtime uh, state rep is stepping down and that is also a, a seat that democrats ought to be able to win even though it's a very rural seat so this is all very interesting and exciting news but it, you know when you start to see these kind of uh, legislators stepping down it's the kind of thing that tells you this is not this is going to be a rough year for them and they might be just choosing they're not up for the fight um so uh, we're going we're gonna to continue to track those races, and we, again, really want to encourage you to start getting involved in, in, in helping folks in your region who are running for office. But with that, we got to take a break. We're going to be right back after the break. And again, you're listening to The Battleground Wisconsin, and you can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We are Citizen Action, and you can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Well, we are very fortunate uh, for the next two segments to have a guest, Representative Amanda Stuck is joining us to talk a bit about what's been happening around the Kimberly Clark effort to try and preserve the 600 jobs that were going to be lost, and just talking about that specifically, but also more broadly about economic development in, in the state. So we'll, let's welcome in Amanda. Representative Stuck, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit, just give them a little recap right around Kimberly Clark and, and, and the jobs, but then that we have a couple of different approaches to how to sort of deal with this situation immediately, but uh, that I'd like you to just start by educating our listeners on. Sure. So obviously, Kimberly Clark is a huge employer in the Fox Valley. It's huge just in terms of even the uh, identity of the Fox Valley. Um, so it's really concerning when we see them announcing these huge layoffs. So uh, several of my Democratic colleagues uh, in different levels, uh, so uh, County Executive Tom Nelson, um, 
some of the mayors in the area and I talked about sort of what would be needed. And having had some talks with paper companies in the district, it's only it's not just Kimberly Clark. We know Appian, Appleton Coated, a lot of the paper companies have announced layoffs, shut down mills, have expressed to us that they're just a really tight situation right now. So we kind of talked about what are some things we could do. So we put forward a proposal that addressed um, some of the things we've heard. Uh, so, for instance, like Appleton Coated, one of their issues was just the demand in paper. So it really has changed. People no longer want, like, you know, sort of white traditional paper. The demand in paper really is more around packaging for things like Amazon and shipping. And so how do we convert perhaps mills or paper companies around here that are in that more traditional paper to help them convert to something that's more in demand to help them be competitive? So our, our proposal said uh, we could do, like, a grant or a grant, I'm sorry, a revolving loan fund. Um, so it's something that, you know, again, isn't a tax giveaway, but it would look at how can we help these companies access some capital or some funding to transition, uh, but again, without just giving taxpayer money away. Uh, the other thing was energy efficiency. We know energy is a huge cost to these paper companies, and, of course, we also just like the idea of saving and conserving energy, and it can also help make these companies more competitive. So a, a um, revolving loan fund for that also to help energy improvement. So that was our idea. So we're really trying to look at, get at the heart of what are the issues that paper companies are facing. Uh, as soon as we did that, uh, Walker got a tweet about Foxconn for KC, uh, which kind of showed he really hadn't thought about or talked to anybody in the industry about what the needs really are. Um, so the Republicans put that forward, basically to 17% refundable tax credit uh, for jobs. KC right away basically said, we really aren't interested in this. We haven't asked for uh, any refundable tax credits. Um, and so those are sort of the two proposals that came forward out of that. And the Republicans, of course, of course passed their version, which was the Foxconn for KC. Uh, Representative, this is Robert. So thanks for laying that out. And what I'm seeing as a clear distinction between what you're proposing and what Walker Walker's approach is with Foxconn and now kind of its baby Foxconn proposal for Kimberly Clark is that rather than just having this just huge tax giveaway, and it's not even a tax giveaway because with the man at manufacturer agriculture tax credit, uh, manufacturers don't pay if, much of any taxes in Wisconsin. That's it's a direct subsidy uh, versus something targeted, right? That says, okay, we want to retain Kimberly Clark. Here are the problems they're having in the industry, and you talked about the paper conversion they need to make, and you talked about energy efficiency, and obviously energy is a huge issue for manufacturers, and finding a targeted way to address that so that we are trying to help them, but we're not just giving away the store and making it impossible for us to fund schools, fund infrastructure, fund everything else that we need to do to have a, a vibrant state. Is that, am I getting it right as far as your approach versus Walker's approach? Exactly. Again, ours uh, wasn't a giveaway. We something companies would be paying back. Uh, it's just a matter of maybe helping them get access to capital a little bit cheaper to make it more attractive to actually do these investments versus just closing down um, versus just writing a check from the taxpayers. Because like you said, they really don't have tax liability because of man and egg. So that really doesn't do much. Um, and plus, if you look at the paper they, you know, KC put out, I mean, they're looking to save a lot more money than what just simply writing a check would do anyway. So it's more about addressing the issues they're facing than simply just writing a check. Because if we start going down that road, 
we're going to endlessly be writing checks to companies, and that will mean we're not investing in our roads or our schools or other things that government should really be doing other than writing checks to private companies. And the thing that, just real quick, that energy efficiency pays for itself in three years. So, in other words, you could actually set up a situation where everyone comes back whole. I mean, I think that's really important. Yeah, that really would be the ideal situation. And, you know, I've talked to, to folks from Casey, and they have said it is really frustrating just that nobody, Walker, the public, has never reached out. They never really sat down to understand the complexity of the issues that the industry is facing. And, of course, what they wrote was a Foxconn for KC, but that left out a whole lot of other paper companies in the Fox Valley and in Wisconsin, quite frankly. Um, so I really didn't do a lot to address the whole issue. It was really more sort of a political thing to try and one-up the Democrats for putting something out there without really thinking it through. Hi, Representative Stuck. Uh, my name is Rebecca Lynch. I work with the Wisconsin Working Families Party, uh, and I'm glad you mentioned the opportunity cost of these giveaways and not investing in schools or in roads, uh, because my question for you, what are the other types of investments beyond what needs to be done with not only Casey, but the other paper companies in the Fox Valley, but investments in the Fox Valley generally that you and your constituents would like to see to make the Fox Valley vibrant, welcoming to companies and a place where people want to live. Because I think like one of the things that we're seeing, and we talked in the last segment about the governor's race, is that there's a crowded field of folks running to be governor on the Democratic side. And what we can't just be saying no, right? So like, what is it that we do want to see beyond all the great things that you said you want to see for paper companies, just generally in the Fox Valley? What investments do you think need to be made? So I think definitely education is the number one thing. You know, we hear from a lot of employers that they can't find the workers with the skills they need. So definitely education is the number one thing. If people have the skills, if they have the education that employers need, they will be here. They will come here because they have to be here because that's where the workers are that can do the work they need. So I think that's number one. Definitely transportation. But actually one of the things we heard from some of the folks at KC was one of their issues is the cost of bringing trucks up here empty to send out to customers. And so one of the issues they're facing is looking at how to get closer to population centers. So, so transportation is a huge issue, but also just the fact that we have a lot of people leaving Wisconsin because we aren't creating the kind of state where people want to live. When we aren't investing in our schools, we aren't investing in transportation, we aren't investing in our state parks and all of those things that give a quality of life, people won't stay here, they will leave. Could you talk to our listeners a little bit about the Paper Caucus and how the Paper Caucus is thinking not only about some of the questions we just specifically talked about, the industry, but thinking more broadly about like how do you start to create that uh, the region that you want? Yeah. So this actually started last session. Um, I had met a man who works with paper companies to reduce their energy costs, and he had brought up you know, just the fact that the paper industry really is in a tough spot, and we really need to do something about it. And there's a bipartisan paper caucus at the federal level, so we should really do one at the state level and really work to address the issue. Because there's a whole lot of other things, like investing uh, in technology to help uh, upgrade the pulp of the paper companies and things that they need help with that could really help them be viable for a long time. And so I reached out to 35 Republicans and Democrats who had paper companies in their districts and, you know, said, is this something you'd be interested? And they all kind of said, yeah, we'd be interested. And the next day, two of the Republicans put out a email saying that they were starting the bipartisan paper caucus. And so I kind of reached out to them and said, well, you know, why did you do that? And they said, well, leadership heard you were making calls and didn't want you to get credit. So I said, well, I'm not really interested in credit. I just really have some ideas to bring forward that I think could be bipartisan ideas to help the paper industry. 
So can I be co-chair, co-vice chair, something of this caucus with you, and we can just move forward together on this? And they said they had to check with leadership. So a few days later, I checked back in, and they said leadership had said I could not be part of the paper caucus um, because they weren't sure I was a friend of the paper industry. And so then I asked them, well, what ideas do you have to bring forward? And they said, well, we don't have any. And then the paper caucus never met, never put any bills forward, and we've continued to see these layoffs and announcements about paper companies closing or laying people off. Wow. You know, this is bad even for the low standards we've had in government in the last few sessions. This is amazing, Representative. Yeah, it's just unfortunate that we have such a huge issue. This has such an impact on the community, these jobs. Because the thing is, you know, these jobs pay a lot and are really good jobs. So it's not as simple as just go find another job. Often it's quite hard to find a job that pays as well or has the same benefits as these paper companies do. Uh, So it is really important that we take this seriously and and be thoughtful about how we move forward. And it's just unfortunate that politics has been more important than honestly trying to work together to really address the issue in a thoughtful way. Yeah, that story is an amazing tale of really what is wrong with our state right now and the inability to even just have that kind of dialogue uh, is shocking. Well, look, um, my leader is my producer, and he tells me we got to take a break. So we're going to take a little break here, and when we come back, we're going to talk about how we should be really thinking about this issue and talking about not only uh, Casey, Kimberly Clark, but also you mentioned Foxconn and, and Weed Act. There is no real economic agenda on the other side, but what is what do we think Democrats ought to be talking and how should we be talking about this and what should our vision be for the fall? We'll talk about that with Representative Stuck when we get right back. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. Again, we're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Before we took a break, we were chatting with Representative Amanda Stuck about Kimberly Clark and what's been going on up there and their efforts to try to help the industry in a way that will uh, keep them around and those good jobs around for a long time and creating vibrant communities. So what we'd like to talk about uh, here in this segment is a little bit looking forward. We have this really important election coming up, and I want to get your thoughts, Representative, on what you really think and how should Democrats be talking about this going into this election cycle, both folks running for governor but also in the state legislature uh, that will you know, not just be about what's wrong with Walker, but really what is our vision for the long term if, uh, if the good folks of the state were to put progressives in power? Well, you know, I think to start off with, I mean, some of the things, you know, you said you don't want to talk about just about what's wrong with Governor Walker, but certainly some of the, the highlights or issues to show the differences or sort of what isn't working would be things like Foxconn. I mean, certainly we know just giving wealthy corporations money doesn't work. Um, we know people in the state really value their uh, natural resources here and the environment, and they're not willing to give that up for a company to come in here. Um, So it's really important that we talk about how we can have a strong economy without sacrificing our natural resources and our environment and how actually our state benefits from having uh, our good natural resources and a clean, healthy environment, how that actually can be really good for the environment. So, uh, you know, I think talking about that is really important. Um, Talking about how really some of these things haven't worked. And we look at KC and we look at how they actually have stated out loud that they use Trump tax cuts to lay people off here and restructure themselves. No, that doesn't work. So we need to talk about people. 
supporting our schools so people have the education they need, supporting our local businesses here that are already here and need some help and need workers here. Those are the kinds of things we really need to be focusing on. Uh, Representative Stuck, you mentioned that the uh, Trump tax cuts were used to actually um, do these layoffs at Casey. I wonder, is that something that folks in the Fox Valley know? Is that publicized and people are aware of that? Yeah, it was actually printed right in our local paper. Uh, like I said, Casey is nothing they've hid. They've said it out loud that they, they use that tax cut to lay people off and do the restructuring. And so what, I think it just goes to show that that really is not an economic development tool, that investing in your people through education and transportation, investing in your communities to make them a quality place to live, that that actually is more important when it comes to economic development. Yeah, I think you're on the way now to a uh, session, right? If I'm, can, can you tell us a little bit about what you're headed towards? Sure. So we're headed down to session. Uh, interestingly enough, we didn't really have any information truly on exactly what we're all going to be voting on and looking at until just a little bit earlier this morning I got the email. Uh, we know they said the school safety session, um, and so there are some things in there related to what they would call school safety in terms of uh, creating a position at DOJ to look into school safety uh, to provide grants for school safety. Um, so some of that, I mean, trying to figure out exactly what that means, what's eligible for that in this bill. Um, nothing in my mind that would actually keep the school safer, nothing that's proactive in actually keeping guns out of the hands of people who shouldn't have them or would do terrible things like we have seen. Um, so nothing really proactive in addressing the issue, but what they are calling school safety in terms of uh, a really weak, watered-down approach is saying they did something to address what we're seeing in our schools right now. So they just felt like they had to do something. They didn't do much, and they certainly didn't want to touch gun safety, right? Yeah, nothing, like again, nothing that even a majority of people agree with, like basic background checks, waiting periods, anything like that that people are really asking for, that our students have been begging us to do to actually do something with a little bit more teeth against something a little bit more proactive to stop something from happening in the first place rather than just saying let's make our schools prisons, you know, with barbed wire around them is sort of the approach that it seems to be that they're going down instead of actually just trying to stop it and address it in the first place. So what's going on with the Walker, I would say, pre-election bribe to the voters, the child tax credit, is it morphing into a property, t a sales tax holiday? Yeah, so they, they, uh, basically passed what we did in the assembly with a few little changes. So you have the sales tax holiday, um, you know, so we, we do, we'll be voting on that again because they did make some minor changes. But, uh, again, we know it based on studies that that isn't really very helpful. It doesn't do very much to actually help families. Well, first of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to join us today and talk about these issues. But uh, before I do that, I just want to say, you know, it's – it's awful, right? You mentioned both the paper caucus and then you're driving down today to this extraordinary special session and you get the information about what you're talking about the morning of, we're, we're, which is terrible governance. And it's also occurring while folks just to the east of you in, in um, I guess it would be east of Green Bay in a Senate district are currently without representation and that this is going on and it just shows just sort of just what's happened to our democracy here that we're having special sessions and, and we've got two seats that are not filled, both one in the Senate, one in the Assembly. 
it just really underlies why it's important we, we have our eyes on this fall and lay out really this vision, and we really want to thank you for helping lead that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So with that, thank you so much for joining us, and good luck today down, in, uh, down there in the assembly. All right. Thank you. So obviously, we're really thankful to Representative Stuck for taking the time to talk with us. Um, what I'd like to transition to, it's not much of a transition, but follow up, I guess, on what was done in the Senate on Tuesday. And in particular, Representative Stuck was talking about the, the quote, school safety package that passed in the Senate and will be some version of it certainly voted on um, today, Thursday, in the Assembly. But want to go deeper into one thing that did not pass, and that was the an amendment by Senate Democrats to have a 48-hour waiting period for gun purchases, which we used to have, uh, doesn't exist anymore. It seems like a very common sense uh, thing to do, especially if you're talking about people who are emotional and you need time to sort of cool off. Uh, and it's also something that's wildly popular. But uh, the vote went down 19 to 13, which, you know, is largely party line. But what's unique about it is there was one Democrat who voted against the 24-hour uh, waiting period, and that was Senator Vinehout. Uh, Rebecca, I want to get your thoughts on this. Yeah, so Senator Vinehout voted against this amendment that was put forward by the Democrats, the only Democrat to vote against it. Uh, she also happens to be the only Democrat in the state legislature um, who since the year 2000 has received a donation from the NRA. And in explaining why she voted against uh, the 48-hour waiting period for buying guns, um, she essentially talked about how useful guns can be as tools for farmers or people who live in rural areas, um, which I think... You know, we're not disputing. I think folks who are proponents of a waiting period are not disputing, but that still doesn't really explain why we can't impose this 48-hour waiting period that most people across Wisconsin and across the country support. Uh, and it really, to me, seems like a um, nonsensical uh, policy position that was purely political uh, as she's positioning herself to run, I'm not sure what kind of campaign for governor. Uh, and it's really poor timing, right? I mean, the reason why the Republicans in Madison are rushing to get something done is because we have the March for Our Lives on Saturday. This is a very hot topic. There's a lot of support for the students who are mobilizing to make their school safer. And instead of actually trying to make the school safer, they're just throwing out these like strange political curveballs about bullying. And uh, again, like Representative Stuck said, almost turning our schools into prisons. Uh, and when Democrats said, well, why don't we include in this bill something that's reasonable and widely supported uh, for reasons that I still don't totally understand and must just, again, be political, Senator Vinehout voted, was the lone Democrat to vote against it. Look, I, this shows just how difficult and intractable this issue seems to be. And we just talked about this, well, we've been talking about it a lot lately, but a month ago, and we were mildly optimistic that maybe... <laughs> Maybe something might get through, and to see a, a Democrat, right, in this case, we're not even cutting in and getting Republicans, it, it's, it, it's disheartening. Um, on the upside, though, it, it's clarifying. Uh, so Robert mentioned earlier Senator Vinehout hasn't made either of our forums and has actually missed a number of forums. Now, there are good reasons candidates don't make every forum, but... Um, so this is helpful in terms of clarifying for progressives actually where she is on a critical issue that is going to be an important election issue. Um, so 
So, but with that, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin and we are Cincinnati. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We, before we left for the break, we were talking about the special session that is occurring this week. Um, the, the Senate's occurred on Tuesday, the Assembly this Thursday. And Robert, I almost cut you off right before the break. You were about to say something. Well, the Weinhaupt vote is kind of mystifying if she's running to win the Democratic primary. So it, but you know, a which lot is of, the first step, right? Right. So <laughs> in a crowded field. So you could make an argument in a general that uh, that somehow would be helpful. Though I think the NRA has proven over the years that they're a partisan Republican organization and will support the partisan Republican uh, supporter of their positions over the Democrat every time. But he, but aside that, it seems very unpopular in a, in a, in a Democratic primary, right? Uh, even including the fact that you know there's more gun ownership and therefore more support for the NRA position in rural areas than in urban areas in the state. Uh, so it and politicians aren't always rational, right? But if she is rational, then it would suggest she's not running for governor, and that she's good, thinking about a general election in her mostly rural state senate district. Now I don't even know if it plays well there anymore, given the mass shootings. But that's the only plausible kind of political explanation I can cobble together. But then again, if you assume all politics is rational, that's usually a, a wrong opinion. We'd have a very different American politics if it were. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think what I've read into the fact that she hasn't made like almost any of the forums. I mean, certainly we've had with Wisconsin's Choice forums throughout the state, and she has been, um, I think, the least likely to show up. My my interpretation has been that she's not actually running for governor. Let so, me throw out a third or another scenario. We were just talking about Kelda and Kelda's breastfeeding video. That's Kelda Roy, right? To to try and just grab some attention, right? You know. Uh, on a very important topic, right? So it's it's aligned. Maybe this is Vineout's effort to somehow ferret out whether she thinks in a very crowded field that this issue defines her and allows her to get traction with enough rural, moderate, gun-loving Democrats, right, that think this is the position that could win in a general, that she actually is trying to do this to cut through get a clear defined group of people that would support her and get her through a crowded primary that might only need 25%. Um, I tend to think what you guys all just said about she's just looking to the Senate race, but it's another possibility. I think she can keep looking for those unicorns. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, mean, yeah. I, I, tend, I tend to agree they're unicorns. They're, they're, but the unicorns are in that next pasture over well, there. Well, look, let me, let, okay, this is actually could be instructive. If she's really running for governor on this, it would be insightful to find out, right, like in a primary, how many Democrats are there out there that are attracted to what I would describe as a less pro-choice, pro-women's health gun This is background checks and the mass killings and the great activism of the students across the country has changed a debate. So I just... Maybe sometime in the mid 1990s, I just don't see the play for a Democrat running. For I thought you were going to say the mid 1890s, but <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> when when you're allowed to have a flint rifle that takes five minutes to reload each round, yes. Uh, Look, I agree with you on the merits of the 48 hour, and I don't think it's about that. It's about just sort of this, you know, it's this cultural thing around guns. It isn't about the specific dynamics. It's like defending, holding I, on. I understand. So, so. I, 
my thing is whether she's trying to get that consolidated and prove what that base is within uh, a statewide Democratic electorate. I don't know. It's one possible. I think what Rebecca said is probably what's happening. With that, we're going to slightly change topics. Robert has discussion we want to have around a bill called SB 54. Robert, what is that? We, we never like it. to call them we had numbers. A very good discussion last week on uh, Battleground Wisconsin with Representative Goyke and Senator Larson about this. This was a bill that Senator Leah Vukmir, who everyone knows is trying to run for U.S. Senate on, uh, against Tammy Baldwin, uh, probably for political purposes, that would have greatly increased the number of people incarcerated in the state of Wisconsin and cost a great deal of money because it would have forced a, uh, and had the money in it for the building of a new prison. And so what it did, it had another thing, that extra prosecutors as well, uh, which of course more prosecutors means more prosecutions more, right, means yeah. more people in prison as well. Exactly. But the main driver, other than having the, the bonding authority for a new prison, was when, when it was a change in revocations policy. And that's been a big public issue, revocations. That's when you're, you're on parole. If you violate parole rules, then you're, you're sent back uh, without full due process. And so that's one of the causes of mass incarceration. But what this bill did, which is not something, this is even much more radical than the current revocation system, it had mandatory minimums if you were accused of, of a huge number of other crimes, not convicted, just accused. And so the Department of Corrections was quietly, this is Walker's Department of Corrections, against this because it would have put a whole lot of people in jail with no discretion who were just accused of something, okay, without any discussion of whether they're really a threat to society, whether or not we should put them back in jail with no further due process. And so this went down. So this has been woefully undercovered in the media. I'm just texting back and forth with Goyke, but I found one story in like one of the one of the small regional newspapers. Uh, but as they, as they run around talking about the tax holiday, the, the main media, a bill that would have, I mean, there are Republican states moving, uh, reducing prison populations, okay? And, and Minnesota has half the population we do. So this would have been absolutely stunning. And so it looks like Leah Vukmir did not get her little, I'm the most draconian person in the world on crime bill to run against Tammy with. So that's great news. Hey, Robert, do we have any information how the vote... Vote was. I mean, did, were there Republican number just, that supported no, no, it this, or it just did never got a vote? They just pulled it, and, it, and yeah. Evan thinks Representative Goyke thinks that the price tag is what got it. So it wasn't any concern about throwing a lot of extra people in jail unnecessarily because they can put someone in jail now if they commit another crime or if they're accused, but it's case by case. So this is the mandatory minimum thing, which always just has a much broader net and puts a lot of people in prison who don't need to be. Part of what's important on this issue is for us understanding in some ways prison population and people in jail is sort of like building roads. If you build the roads, people will start to use them. If you hire more prosecutors, if you build more prisons, if you pass a bill that actually will just automatically convict people for, you know, without actually being guilty per se, uh, you're going to increase prison populations, which I mean, as Robert mentioned, even Republicans in other states are moving away from that, mostly for budgetary reasons. No, not but fast enough, but they're moving away from it. But this sure. would literally put us, uh, Representative Goki thinks he was running the numbers, we might make us the only state with, a, with an increasing uh, in prison population. The Department of Corrections, which was against this, I said, the Walker administration, thought this would increase the number of jail people in prison by 600 per year each year. Jesus. Okay. 
Oh, well. So it's dead, so, you know, rah, rah, and uh, so hopefully Leah Vukmir now it will be, this will be the last session of the state Senate she's been in, and she'll soon be vanquished because she will either lose in the primary or lose to Senator Baldwin in the general. Before we go, there was some news on reinsurance. Robert, this week that we just well, want to make sure... Everyone's... Just to remind everyone what reinsurance is, this is the, let's give insurance companies a corporate subsidy to lower premiums, but let's not require them to lower premiums, right, or to cover more areas. Uh, now, there are some states like Minnesota that have done it, but they have rigorous rate review systems, which Walker and his folks, as insurance folks, oppose, so they can actually make sure the money is being passed back to consumers. It's still not nearly as good as badge care public option, which would reduce premiums and ductiles by 38% on average. Well, they passed it already. People know that. But now it has to get a waiver from the federal government. And so there is a hearing Friday where the insurance commissioner's office will take public testimony. So we will be on hand uh, Friday afternoon in Milwaukee to talk about our and, our, and I think some of our members, our doctors and nurses and health professionals, to talk about this and talk about why corporate tax subsidies are not the way to deal with the health care crisis. But this is Walker's new softer uh, image that he's supposedly doing something constructive, and this is his alleged attempt to stabilize the Affordable Care Act that he's been trying to undermine and kill for the last seven years. So with that, we're going to wrap up the show. But before I do, I want to remind folks we have spring elections occurring on April 3rd. And early voting has started. So you can go vote in your communities, right? Go to your city clerk's office. But get out and vote early uh, so you can help people on Election Day. Uh, we have an important Supreme Court race. Again, we have endorsed Rebecca Dallet. we got to get out of here. want to thank our producer, Brian Woldridge, who makes the podcast happen every week. It's good to be back. And we'll see you next week here at the Battleground, Wisconsin.